Good morning. So good to see some new faces and some faces we haven't seen in a while. And some faces we've been seeing. It's good to see everyone. I was thinking through, okay, Lord, how do we do this wonderful celebration today? I've been looking at pictures all week from all the years and just giving God thanks for all the baptisms, babies, marriages, breakthroughs, transformations that we've seen up until this point. Just looking at all the pictures and just tears, tears, tears of gratitude. In an attempt that by the time I got here to serve, I wouldn't be crying through the message. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm, I'm, I'm holding it. So I might have to sing a little bit in the message today just to stop from crying. Because I'm so grateful for what God has done. How he's changed and how he's changing us. And the privilege it is to walk Eight years following Jesus together. What kind of sound you got up there? What 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 key you in? You in A flat? So that would put me like an F minor. That would put me in F minor. But you know what? Go on and go to like. Who said that? Liz, what you say? Yeah, going to go to E flat. (laughs) Go on, Liz. You got a word of wisdom. You E flat and and then give me that C minor chord. Yeah, I might need that. Um, coming from a tradition where when the word is proclaimed. Uh, sometimes the preacher, sometimes the one proclaiming the word would begin to sing the word. And when you have joy on the inside of you, you can really understand that. So I might need that C minor. I might need that E flat. So I can break it down the way that I'm feeling it. This is a day of celebration. It's only God and his grace. Amen. Yeah. Boy. I don't know if I'm supposed to sing, we've come this far by faith, or what I'm supposed to do. Goodness. And for all of our folks who are joining in online, God bless you. Happy, happy eighth anniversary. I want to get to my title and my subject for today. I want to talk from the subject. Oh, I see you right there. Oh, yeah. I see you right there. I want to talk from the subject. Um, repeat after me. Grace, grace for eight. For eight. Grace, grace for, eight. for eight. Somebody say, there is grace, there is grace for, eight. for eight. Yeah. There is grace, there is grace for eight. For those of you who are joining us in the chat, you know what to do. Help me get this word out. There is grace for eight. Some of you already know where I'm going, don't you? Some of you do. But for those of you who don't, don't worry. I'm about to break it down. 
So I'm not speaking Martian up in here. There is grace for eight. So grace is not only something you can say at mealtimes. Say grace at mealtime. That's good. Dinner time, lunch. Depending on what part of the country you're from, supper. So who knows about supper? Anybody know about supper? I got a few of y'all know about supper. (laughs) But one way I remember learning about grace was from an acronym. This is from my note takers. Grace. The acronym grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Yeah. God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. Grace. Sometimes we say, oh, there's grace. But are you thinking about the price that Christ paid for it? Oh, there's grace. Oh, but it cost him his life. Thank God for grace. But somebody had to pay for it. Somebody had to pay for it. Grace, uh, when I think about it, I think out of uh, Ephesians 2. Where the writer says, You were dead in trespasses and sins and the way... You formerly lived. He said, but you have been made alive. You have been brought from death to life. By God's grace. That God's grace is a gift from God. I was dead spiritually and now I'm alive spiritually. Because God gives me gifts. He gave me grace. Grace at the expense of his own son. Grace, somebody say, is a gift from God. So nobody, Ephesians 2 tells you in your Bible so that nobody can boast. You can't say, oh, because I'm so smart or because I'm so rich or because I'm so this, that or the other, I qualify I have earned my way into a right relationship with God. Nobody can say that. It's only by grace. It's a gift of God so that nobody would be able to boast. I'm here and I'm standing by grace. Is this a good Bible? Grace is somebody say power. Grace is power. Grace is power. God's power, God's power working within us, God's power being released through us. Somebody say power. Power. Mitchell, you with me so far? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like this. Somebody say grace for eight. Somebody say there's power for eight. Yeah, somebody say there's a gift of God for eight. Okay. 
And then this other word, eight. Eight. When you open your Bible, pay attention to those numbers. I'm scanning you so I can see what agreement I have in the room. And it helps me know how hard I need to work. People are nodding. It's like, okay. Everybody's like, it's like, oh, you need to work. (laughs) When you open your Bible, pay attention to the meaning of the biblical numbers. Pay attention to that. Paying attention to the meaning of the biblical numbers will help you understand God's word better. When you're reading, don't breeze by the numbers. Somebody say, what are the numbers? Sometimes when I'm talking with my wife, Mia, Pastor Mia, um, she is the storyteller of the two of us, meaning she can give me every detail from beginning to the end. The up, the down, the side, the diagonal. The sun was doing this. And the birds were singing like this. And then all of a sudden, a dog came and it had a freckle on it. I mean, just detail. She's going to paint me a picture. She wants me to see what she's seeing. Praise God for that. And sometimes I say, babe. Just give me the numbers. Tell me about the time and tell me about the money. Just get me to the numbers. And I'm going to appreciate this picture a little better. Somebody say, get me to the numbers. Get me to the numbers. Boy, I tell you what, sometimes we're talking, it reminds me of when you have to do story problems when you're in school. I mean, when I was a certain age, I couldn't stand no story problems. I'm like, why are they doing these story problems? I just want to solve the equation. Why did they, why are they painting all of this information around these numbers? See if you understand it. It just confused me. I, like, what, where are we going in this story? Somebody said, get me to the numbers. Oh yeah, you gotta get to the numbers. A whole book of the Bible is called a whole book. It's called numbers. Okay, I got some more new nods, so we're good. You know, you got to make sure that people know you in the Bible. Not some wacky thing that has crept into the church. Oh! Okay. Biblestudy.org, a resource I would recommend to you as you search the scriptures informs us that on average, one in every five scriptural verses contains a number. One out of five. That's a, that's a lot. Somebody say, get me to the numbers. What these frequently used numbers mean reveals God's thinking. 
It reveals divine design. God is speaking. He's giving revelation. There's something he's wanting us to see by the numbers. I taught my kids a a while back as an apologetic, as a way to help them understand how to defend their faith as they are learning what it is to have their own faith. I took them to Psalm 19. One, and it says, the heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. The heavens are telling of the glory of God and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. The heavens are revealing. The firmament is speaking. I wanted them to know that everything that has been created must have a creator. I wanted them to be able to walk outside, look at anything, and know somebody had to have made this. Somebody had to, nothing just exist except God. But everything else has to have a maker. Somebody made that dinner you're enjoying. Somebody made the clothes that you're wearing. So I wanted my babies to know when they're wondering about if God is real. Everything has a creator. And I want them to see, and I want you to see right now, not only do the heavens tell of God's glory, but so do the numbers. The creator made these numbers, the creation to reveal, to speak, to proclaim, so that when we looked in the word, we would see details and get an understanding that otherwise we wouldn't have. Are you with me? The connections and patterns when we search out these numbers and understand them reveal a creator, a mastermind, the brilliance of God. Some of the arrangement of the numbers is obvious. uh, Others are not. But each number, when you see it in your Bible, in your reading, has a particular symbolism. It has a particular, it has a particular meaning. Now, somebody say grace for eight. Grace for eight. eight. When you see that eight in your Bible, when you see that being used, at times, it's safe to say it this way, at times, it's going to mean new beginnings. Eight is a number that can mean New beginnings in your Bible. Are you with me? Let me give you eight facts about eight. Let me give you eight facts about eight. And if you're really nice to me, I'll give you a bonus. (laughs) Circumcision happened on the eighth day. Leviticus 12, 3 reads, And on the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised as a symbol of that beginning. Some of the men are saying amen. I would be saying ouch, but (laughs) glory to God. Number two, the New Testament was written by only eight men. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, James, John, Paul, Peter, and Jude. The fall feast of tabernacles is an eight-day period. If you want to learn more about the fall feast, make sure you talk to Pastor Matty after church. He's ready for it. During New Testament times, a day was divided into eight equal parts. Isn't that interesting? Sunset to 9 p.m., 9 p.m. to midnight, midnight to 3 a.m., 3 a.m. to sunrise, sunrise to 9 a.m., 9 a.m. noon, noon to 3 p.m., and 3 p.m. to sunset. You look at Matthew 12, 14, 25, and Mark 6, 48. We won't read those, but they're references for you. Divided into eight. I think the Lord is speaking to us about the newness of his mercy in the course of any given day. I don't have to wait till tomorrow. Right now will suffice just fine. I don't have to put it off for tomorrow. There are things that can be dealt with right now. That there is grace for the day right now. Are you with me, Sandoval? Is your dad at the hospital? Amen. Thank God for that. Number six. Oh, let me do number five. Jesus showed himself eight times after his resurrection. You know that was going to be a new beginning right there. Ooh, wee. God saved eight people on the ark in order to create a new beginning for mankind. We talked about that ark not too many uh, weeks ago. Genesis 7.13 tells us that. Jesus' name in the Greek has the numerical value. Eight, eight, eight. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. It just makes me wonder if when we're calling his name. (laughs) It just makes me wonder, oh, that he's inviting us into a new beginning right then, right there. The songwriter said, Jesus, Jesus, something happens when I call your name. Newness, restoration, another chance, 888, new beginning, new beginning, new beginning. Maybe the next time you worship or you pray or maybe even as you're sitting in your seat and you're calling his name, you'll be receiving the new beginning he has for you. Amen, 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 amen. That's that old school stuff. 40 different people wrote the Bible and 40 is used a lot in the Bible. 40 is a multiple or a fact family here. 40 equals five times eight. I'm laughing at myself because those of you who are parents, you have to do your homework with your kids. And so you're learning all the new ways that These theories are being taught, and I'm incorporating that into the message this morning. Because as I've been doing that homework with those kids, I'm learning, oh, this is what they call, oh, this is how they're calling it now, okay. I'm like that old now. So 40 looks like 
Five times eight. What's five stand for in that Bible? Grace. Grace. And eight stands for what? Ooh. Grace for what? Eight. Grace for a new beginning. Grace for eight. As we celebrate our eighth anniversary, the Lord wants us to know there's grace for this eighth year. There's grace for this eighth year. Oh, Lord, why is that important? You say you don't need my grace. You're going to need my power. You're going to need this gift that you didn't earn. You're going to need this gift to move forward. You're going to need this gift of grace. Are you with me? Throughout the transitions, you're going to need grace. You're going to need grace. Somebody say grace for eight. New beginnings require grace. New beginnings require power. New beginnings require prayer. New beginnings require repenting. New beginnings require accountability. Are you with me? All right, all right. So what I want to do is tell you about one of the first beginnings of the Bridge Church uh, back in 2014 of this month. 2014 of this month. Show them that picture, my Jin Jin. Oh, of Pastor Mia and I on the first day of... I can show you some other time there, guys, if we're having problems back there. But um, our first beginning of a, as a church started back in 2014. And Pastor Me and I were privileged to get to plant this church with uh, Pastor Robert and Pastor Didi. Um, Bridge was uh, financially supported, as church plants are, by outside donors. And so if you don't know, most, most churches are not, you know, we don't start and they're just ready to go. But a lot of outside folks are investing so that other people can know Jesus and grow in a relationship with Jesus. So they invest a lot in churches. And that is what was happening with Bridge when we started on that first, that first Sunday back in September 2014. That was the first beginning. The second beginning of our church was when Bridge came under the uh, ownership of an extremely generous church network called East Lake, called East Lake Church. East Lake Church uh, was super generous and for as long as what they could as our church was trying to find its footing trying to be able to support itself fully. Um, they were just investing in the spiritual life of this church, hardcore. Um, but they reached a point where they could no longer, where they could no longer support the ministry. 
And so because it was uh, under their ownership, they said, well, you know, let's talk about shutting it down. And we will take your family, uh, Pastor Mia and myself and our kiddos, we'll move you down to San Diego. And you can serve here at our church. There's that picture of our first day. That's our first day right there. Thank you, my Jinjin. So, um, yeah, so they said, well, we will, we will move you guys to San Diego. And um, as we were talking with them, we said, we don't believe the Lord is shutting the church down. I mean, we knew that the church couldn't pay its bills. We knew the we knew the reality. But as we were talking in discussion and prayer, we say, oh, we don't believe that the Lord's work is done. So we would be seeking the Lord. This was um Pastor Me and I some of you've heard this, but super important on this celebration day for those of you who've never heard any of these stories to hear them because it's a part of the faithfulness of God. To help us appreciate uh, who God is, what God has done, what he's doing now, and what he determined to do out in the future. So I wanted to just share a little bit of this story. So Pastor Me and I went out to this parking lot one night. It was one of the rare times we had got to do a date night, and we were there holding hands. And, yeah, we spent our date night in a parking lot out here praying. Um <laughs> Stay focused in this. Okay, so um, so I'm out there and I said, Lord, just shouting at the top of my lungs. Make it clear, 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 clear. I mean, I just, Lord, just, this is, this is bananas. This is bananas. I understand why they would want to shut it down. It can't pay its own bills. I, I, I get it, but we believe that you're, you're not, you're, you're not done. But we're not the saviors of the world. We don't have some Jesus complex. Uh, the people don't need us. British church don't need us. British church just needs Jesus. So what do you want to do with your church? Through a series of meetings and prayer, they, they said, okay, you, you understand that, you know, the church can't pay its bills. And you, you guys want to do this. Um, and so they released us to do it. They blessed us uh, to do it. Um, it's a extremely beautiful and generous church that has so many churches just doing a great uh, gospel work. And never in their history had they released a church like they did with Bridge Church. And they told me they, they probably would never do that again. But it was that situation of believing that God had a new beginning for the bridge. That there was grace. Those things, they didn't look right on paper. If you were a logical person, logic is good, we love a sound mind, you would say, well, yeah, the church can't pay its bills, and you, you know, you're just one income, and so you should just take your family, and everything will be... But we believe that God was not finished. And so in March 2018, we called it walking on the water. 
where we were for the first time in a place to trust God for all the resources that we would need. And so from March 2018 till today, we're still here. Amen. (laughs) It's so crazy. It's so crazy. (laughs) And we're here by God's grace. That grace has been working through all of you, through those of you who are joining in online, to say, Lord, whatever you're doing, we want to be part of it. If you're doing something, we want to be a part of it. And so to get to see your faces and be here and have this moment throughout a pandemic? We start March 2018. There's so many stories that happen all of a sudden. March 2018, make it through that year. Um, and that was an unusual year. Church had never been in this spot that it was in. It was lots of things were really great. To creep up on 2019 where things started, whatever, getting weird, 2020, 2021. And it's like, wow. If it had not been for the Lord. (laughs) If it had not been for the grace, the power of God to believe God in spite of what it looks like. We wouldn't be here. And so... This message today is in part about history. This message today is also about your today, our today, and the future ahead. That there is grace for a new beginning even today. And it takes on so many shapes and it takes on so many different uh, forms. But grace comes from God. And if we don't believe God... Grace doesn't operate fully in our life. Have you ever had a gift you didn't use? Have you ever bought a piece of clothing you never even wore? Someone said, guilty. (laughs) And I know some of you, you're just so wonderful. People give you gifts all the time and they just stack up in places. You're just so blessed. You just can't even open all the gifts. This is the reality of what grace is. If we don't believe in God, if we don't believe like Jesus, grace doesn't operate fully in our life. I have to know that God has made a tremendous supply in the person of Christ Jesus And I have to, by faith, walk that grace all the way out. We got a new beginning as a church when the church was going to shut down because we believed God. And frankly, we just believed in you. I said, God is your church. Why would you give me so much hope for these people? Why would you... Have me pray for them like this. Why would you show me so much about a people you were going to yank me from? Because I was wrestling through like, what is God up to? Why would you 
I mean, you're God, so you can do obviously whatever you want to do, but why cause me to believe in these people to not uh, get to be a part of pastoring them? When you believe, somebody's going to get a new beginning. When you believe, somebody's going to get a new beginning. When you believe in Jesus, Jesus gets a new beginning with you. When you believe Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have eternal, everlasting life. When you believe in Jesus, Jesus gets a new beginning with you. Grace starts operating in you. Old things pass away. Behold, I am made new. He makes all things new. But it happens on belief. Believing God. Believing like Jesus believed God. That's how that newness Continues to come. If you have given up on your relationship with God. Oh you are just one grace away. If you have given up on your marriage. If you have given up on your health situation. If you have given up on raising kids. If you have given up on any area. God is inviting you to believe him today. Because when you believe. You get a new beginning. You get to start over. It's so important. It's so important. Stuck ain't cool for too long. This was on my heart for you. When you believe in someone, you give them a new beginning with you. Take a moment. Do we have that on the screen, my Jin Jin? When you believe in someone, you give them a new beginning with you. Who is in your world that needs you to believe in them? Who is in your world that needs you to believe in them? They need a new beginning with you. Maybe you said, they're never going to do right. They're never going to measure up. They're never going to do what this relationship, whether it's parental or maybe when you believe in them, they get a new beginning with you. And it's needed today. It's needed today. When you believe in Jesus, you get a new beginning with Jesus. When you believe in the people in your world, maybe it's somebody at home or in your family. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's a co-worker or a supervisor. Maybe it's an employee. Maybe it's somebody at school. Maybe it's somebody at school who needs you to believe in them. Maybe it's someone in another part or area of influence in your life. They need you to believe in. Maybe it's your kid. I believe you can change. I believe you can have all that God says you can have. I believe this marriage can have all that God says 
this marriage can have. And that's all available by grace. Grace for eight. Grace for making decisions, going places that we're not used to going. Or maybe we say that area has died. It's over. It's over. But God's like, it's not over. Ezekiel prophesied to these bones. Oh, son of man, can these dry bones live? He said, but by believing God, we get this newness. And all that cynicism, pain, hurt, disappointment, hopelessness, discouragement, fear, all those things that have bruised us and weighed us down and that have stopped us from believing what God has said goes away. Because we say, I believe you. And I'm going to believe like Jesus That is the way to become like him. Is to believe what he believed about you, Lord. So where they say it's not possible, I'm just going to wait to see what you say. Where they say it's impossible, I'm going to look. I think you said with you all things are possible. To him who what? Believes. When God is looking at Whatever person you might be processing. You might be thinking about an individual. When God is looking at that person. He has nothing but hope for them. And today is the day where we get to receive more of his hope. Not only for ourselves. But for others. Are you with me? God, when you look at this person who is driving me crazy, you have hope for them. I want to see them how you see them. I want to feel about them the way you feel about them. I don't want to put a verdict against them. I want your heart so that I can receive them And believe in them like you do. There's grace for it. Somebody say grace for eight. eight. Oh yeah, it's necessary. Believe. Somebody say believe. Believe. The other one required is intimate prayer. This gift of God. How do you unwrap this gift of God in a life for a new beginning? Oh yeah, you need to believe what God said. You need to believe like Jesus He said, but we need to be in prayer. We need to be in a constant conversation with God. We need to be in an intimate, close uh, discussion, focused communication with God. Somebody say, pray. Pray. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. Show them the clip, Jim Jim. You have a scheduled time to pray. You're right on track. If you don't have a scheduled time to pray, you are off track. You're going to receive more from God on purpose than random. Do you have your scheduled time? 
if you didn't care, thank you, Virginia, leave that right there. If you didn't hear the message I gave uh, the last time I was up speaking on the Thanksgiving challenge, go check it out. It's there on our YouTube page. Do you have a scheduled time to just meet with God? You need it. You're going to be so glad you have it. Because it's necessary for unpacking the gift of grace. Grace gets released in us and through us to others. Prayer. Continually looking at God. Do you know it keeps us from cynicism? Do you know it keeps us from chronic negativity? Do you know it is so, you can be talking to God and like, God, this is how I feel. And that stuff, that's good. You doing those, God, this is how I feel about this, how I feel about that. That's good, like this, like this. And then you sit and you listen back. And then he starts shifting you. He starts saying, remember when you just did that same thing you complaining about? How merciful I was with you. He does those little, those little but powerful things. Scheduled daily time with the Lord means you're on track. If you don't have a scheduled daily time with the Lord, you are missing out. Sure, the spontaneous times all throughout the day when we're talking to God, just enjoying and pray, pray without ceasing. Yeah, a real relationship. But this part right here where I say, God, you are so important. I got to meet with you. I got to meet with you. That right there, that's the game changer. Somebody say game changer. changer. That's the game changer. I wrote down this. show, Show them this, Jinjin. Intimate love does two things frequently. Intimate love does two things frequently. It talks and it listens. You, if you're close to God, if you're close to any person, these two things are happening in that relationship. If those two things are not happening, you do not have an intimate relationship. You want an intimate relationship. You want to flow and move in God. Have your being in God. Allow God to influence you so you can make your decisions about whatever it is to come. This requires closeness. That's another word for intimacy. Intimacy is so much more than about sex. It's about closeness. It's about what John 15 describes, Dina, as abide in me and I in you. Abide, rest in me. Make a home in me. That's the intimate closeness where we are so lost and intertwined. We're saying things, oh, snap, it's Jesus. That's a bridge inside joke. Those are the two things that intimate love does. Intimate love does those two things with God. Intimate love does those things with people. It could be a spouse. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. If those two things are not happening, guess what? Y'all ain't that close. He ain't off into you, boo. Those two things aren't happening. Oh, that's my best friend. Really, when's the last time you talked to your best friend? Can you tell me anything that's happening in your best friend's life? You need to figure out what a real best friend relationship looks like. Because that brother can't no more hold you accountable than the man in the moon. Oh, we've been best friends since we, since we were in middle school. Really? Thank you. Thank you. 
This is what intimate love, real love, close love does. Frequent. Somebody say frequently. Man. <laughs> I just thought about, oh, Pastor Mia, you just gave much message this today. Can, can, I, can I do one more illustration? Thank you. <laughs> I got a good wife. Um, babe, what's that app that you were on yesterday? What's that app called that you were talking to all your friends on? Marco Polo. How many of you know about Marco Polo? Okay, I really kind of don't know much about Marco Polo. Except for black listen. So I was getting ready for something. And Mia was on Marco Polo talking to her friends. And I just happened to just overhear the conversation. And she's telling them, yeah, my hair was doing this. And my hair needed, I was trying to get this thing to turn a certain way. And and I just started busting up laughing. And she's like, my husband is laughing at me right now. And she's on Marco Polo talking to her friends because she's just giving them all these details. And this is what they do. They have this closeness because they're exchanging all this detailed information about some of the things that are like, y'all are talking about that. That's okay. And I just got so tickled with it. But what I knew was, I said, oh, I married the right woman. Oh, you listen to me good. You listen to me good. You, you got some old uh, people you're, you're interested in. They might be business partners. I don't know what circle you put them in. But you want to make sure whoever you're doing close dealings with, they talk and they listen. They share. Sharing is caring. You need to open your mouth. And if we're so close but we don't know what's happening in one another's life, get free from that lie. Just be free. It's like, hey, dude, we ain't that close. It's cool. It's okay. We ain't, ain't no indictment on you. Ain't no indictment on me. We just ain't cl- that close. It's all right. But let's stop calling it something that it's not. Come on. Do I have a witness in here? Yes. Check out this quote. We live in an age that avoids intimacy and close relationships. The disposition to avoid self-exposure and deep friendships affects spiritual as well affects spiritual as well interpersonal relationships without being fully aware that this spirit of the age has crept into the church some christians feel uncomfortable getting too close to god prayerlessness is the result See how it kind of all works together? Do you know when you're having that time with God and you're just telling God all this random stuff? Do you know that primes you for being a better human? Because you start being able to discern who's safe and who's not. Who actually cares enough to listen? He always listens. He never slumbers or sleep. He always is listening. And sometimes you say, well, I don't, I don't really have anything to say. Oh, you've been hurt, sir. You've been hurt, madam. Or you just have bad information. This is your creator. This is the one who says about you. Every single one of the hairs on your head is numbered. He cares about the intimate details of your, of your hair follicle. Come on, give me a break. 
You can talk to God about anything. If he can talk to you about your hair, you can talk to him about, oh, I just saw this ant and it just reminded me of this scripture. Oh, I need to thank you, Lord. Thank you for blessing me. You're talking to me through the ant right now. You make those times with God. It changes everything in your relationship with him and it changes the results that show up in your life. You know, I used to be real nervous about the the results of God. I just want to be honest. Because I couldn't stand the idea of people pimping God out. I didn't I didn't like that part, the petition part. Because I was like, you know, if you teach people a certain thing, it make you nervous because they don't really want God, they just want what God can do. That 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 gives me the that just it just turned me from a whole bunch of teaching that I just wouldn't do because I was like, mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be tied up in anywhere near around wrong motive. God, I want this. I want this. I want this. I want that. I want that. I want that. I want this. I want this. I want this. It's like sooner or later, you're going to have to stop being a kid. <laughs> so I had to repent before God about it. I did. Because it made me nervous. I don't want to want a church like that. Where we think we're the center of the world. God, if you're not blessing me with what I want, how I want, why I want, then, then, then I don't want anything to do with you. That ain't no church. I didn't want nothing to do with it. So you, you, you heard it. You probably, I'm, I'm just telling myself, I had to repent before God. Because I said, what it means to seek God's kingdom first and to have scheduled time with him is to say, yeah, Lord, I want you. I want the relationship with you. But I also recognize that there are results that come from prayer. Somebody say it's both. So if you say, if you say, I don't really know what to talk to God about. You can talk to God about anything. And that's too wide for some of you. Let me tell you some things I do. I say, I say, I say, Lord, um, I just love you. I don't really have much to say. Not right now, but I just love you. I do things like that all the time. And then I, we, we get to talking. And, he, you know, you listen. And scriptures come to you. And pictures come to you. And you start praying for other people. But we're all we're doing is just relating. Sometimes I say that stuff to him. I say, Lord, how you doing this morning? Communication, just having a dialogue. Lord, how you doing this morning? I say, Lord, how you doing? Sometimes the presence of God hit me so hard, I'm just weeping. Off of something simple like, Lord, how you doing? What was it like as we were all sleeping? Just talking. So don't 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 feel like don't don't feel like you have to have like some big old thing to talk about. That actually will get you in trouble. Because then you think you got all these rules and, well, I can't really talk to God unless it's really important. Huh? I thought what he wanted more than anything was a relationship, a conversation with you. Can you, what, what an incredible, like, come on, if you don't feel good, think about it. God wants a conversation with you. He just wants to. Talk and share and relate. He just wants to meet with you and t- and tell you things and have you share things. He wants a real 
relationship with you. What an incredible compliment. Do you have a scheduled time for prayer? If you don't have it, make it now. That's the thing. You're going to be more blessed having a scheduled time than not. And Lord knows I want you blessed. I hope you want yourself blessed. Do you? But if I get too close to God, he's going to start dealing in my life. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because he's so good. He's so good. Play that last clip for me, Jim. Important to honor the guides and the tribes that God gives us. The guides and the tribes that God gives us. Because that is how we uh, maintain a certain level of support, focus, and vision to remain on track. Treat your guides and your tribes well. Churches like this. You have people that you pray with outside of this church. You have other things in your professional world. Treat your guides and your tribes well. Because it's how you're going to overcome challenges. Be strategic. Nobody's asking you. God's not asking you, nor has he designed you. I'm certainly not to figure out how to do something by yourself. But it's to be wise and to link arms with other people who say, you know, Jesus is the goal. Is Jesus your goal in that area? He's my goal in that area too. Let's just every once in a while encourage one another. That's one of the biggest things we have is, is people. I know people, we're messy. But the, the, the goodness of God, the value, far outweighs all the other stuff. To be able to receive encouragement, to know, oh, we're not alone, to be able to say, let's keep our eyes on Jesus together. We got to learn how to leverage that stuff. In so doing, we put ourselves in a place of submission. Your Bible says that when we put ourselves in that place of submission, we get more of God's power. Because we can't control everything. We can't control the relational dynamics. We have to be able to, uh, 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 what did it say? Eat the meat and spit out the bones. We can't have that thing already filleted. Before we try to enjoy it. So we put our souls in a position where we get to link up and we get filled with God's power, filled with God's spirit, because we are learning what it's like to flow and operate together. Wherever you're trying to go, wherever you're trying to get to in the Lord, people are required. Running from relationships and healthy ones is not going to serve you. It's not going to get you where you want to go. It's not going to get you there. What I want to invite you to do is stand. I want to invite the worship to...
as we have this word of prayer. Father, we are here because of your goodness. We know that you have new beginnings for us by your grace that are available to us right now. So where our hearts have been hardened and unreceptive to your wooing, to your invitation, to your unending kindness, Lord, soften our hearts now. Release, release your fire in our hearts. Burn away all the unbelief. Help us to know that there is grace for new beginnings. That there is grace for eight. With you all things are possible. And so as a church, we give you our collective heart. We give you our collective mind. And we say, Lord, baptize us afresh in believing you. Baptize us afresh in trusting you. Baptize us afresh in desiring after you. Help all the silly stuff. Let that stuff be separated. Let everything that's important come to the forefront. We offer you our heart that you would have your way and that you would be glorified. That you would be glorified in these marriages. That you would be glorified as you heal bodies. Oh, we offer you our heart. Oh, for the parents in here, Lord, that are weary. We thank you for refreshing, baptizing their hearts afresh with your hope for new beginnings in their parenting. That anger would be put away. That gentleness and kindness would enter into the relationship and uh, in a whole new measure. Pour it out in that relationship. Break those parents' hearts for you. For those of us who are caring for aging parents who are dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's, God, we say, baptize our hearts afresh with your peace and with your hope. Give us that strength and measure of grace, of patience that we would be able to care for our aging parents dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For our folks who couldn't be here today but wanted to be here, Lord. We just lift them up before you. And we thank you, Lord, that you would baptize them. Hallelujah. In trusting you. That they would know even now that we are contending. That we're offering prayers. And that you were faithful to answer. Ah, 
Lord, we come with celebration, grace for new beginnings. And for those folks who are dealing still after this time with the grief, the aftermath of the tragedy of 9-11. Lord, we thank you for bringing your comfort. We thank you for bringing your hope. We thank you for bringing your light. We ask God that you would make us a people who could minister what you have to bring more healing, more reconciliation in this nation. Oh, we know there's grace for eight. We know there's grace for new beginnings. Your mercies are new every morning. They never fail. So great is your faithfulness. Oh, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Oh, baptize our hearts in what I just said, in what we're about to sing. (laughs) That we were filled with refreshing Our eyes clear for following you, for yielding to your spirit. Do it in us and do it through us. Somebody say, do it in us. Somebody say, do it through us. Somebody say, do it in us. Somebody say, do it through us. us. To the glory of your dear son, we pray.